Hey, everybody. Welcome to my show, My So-Called Fabulous. I'm Tiffany Blackman. Hello, hello out there. I know you're listening and I love it. Hey, I have told you all before that I am a mom, a chef, a cookbook author. And let me tell you what. I love things fabulous, and sometimes life is just not so fabulous, so we're going to hit on that today, but I'm also a daughter, and I'm a sibling to two fabulous siblings, and you're going to hear about them today. Hopefully, I'm going to get them on here one of these days, but you know, from time to time in this podcast, I want you to get to know me, and um, I want to be transparent But sometimes, you know, it's important to protect myself, but still, transparency is pretty pretty necessary or extremely necessary. But I want you to get to know me a little bit better each time I do this, and because I think it's necessary. And I want to talk about some things that we're all going through. As you all know, I'm 55, and we're going through things that um, Mother Nature just decides it's time. And a little about myself. So I was born... In 1965, in January, in a tiny town, Mejia, Texas. And um, I was actually almost the baby of the year by about 10 minutes. One girl beat me by 10 minutes of being the baby of the year. I have no idea what that entails, but it had to be good, right? So that was my big, big debut into the world. And my precious mother and dad, John and Faye Tacker, and if some of you listening knows my dad, know my dad as Johnny, um, son is John, and he's known as Popsicle to his grandchildren, and um, he is a fabulous man. My mom, um, she's a fabulous woman. I can't even tell you. There's so much of me, so much of her in me. So they were high school sweethearts. Uh, Mom went to a neighboring town to my uh, Wortham High School, where I went and graduated. And my dad went to Mahia High School. So they met. He was working at the Piggly Wiggly grocery store in the produce department. And um, she was shopping, and he fell in love with her. And um, they were married at 18. Oh, my goodness. 18? Are you joking? I can't even imagine. I, I I look at my child that's about to turn 21 and just imagine her. No, 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 no. But 18, um, she and my dad had me at the age of 20. So, you know, growing, you have a child and um, several years later, they had my sister and then several years later, they had my brother. Um, but you know what? When you're married that young, you are growing up together. I mean, you grow up and then you you grow up together. And my parents had a a a long long relationship. They were they were married 44 years and um they it was cut back. It was cut short very very quickly. Um mom mom was always the, everybody's mom. So when um, dad traveled quite a bit with his his uh his job. So mom was at home and taking care of us. She started out in beauty as hairdresser, but her poor little hands couldn't handle the the, the chemicals. So she she stopped that very quickly, but um, uh, dad worked in a glass factory before he went began his career in the oil field. And, um, you know, f- fond memory, memories, you know, there's some memories that you just can't quite 
lose. And so my dad and mom would take me down to the drugstore. The drugstore meant that there was a malt shop and a counter where you ordered sandwiches. And so it was pimento cheese or chicken salad sandwiches. And uh, gosh, I wish I had pimento cheese right now. But um, people would say to me, because I had long brown hair, curly brown hair, and um, that my mom would put curls in my hair, which I can't do right now, if you just saw my Instagram. So um, people would say to me, you are so beautiful. Oh my gosh, you beautiful blue eyes, four years old. And I would say, I know. And my parents would just look at me like, what? I said, because my daddy tells me every day. And so thank you, dad, for making me vain. I'm just kidding. No, seriously. So you remember those small little things, those life life things that happen from time to time. So let's fast forward. So mom, like I was saying, was she was always the mom. Everyone wanted to come over and sit on the kitchen counter and talk to Faye. She had life advised. She was cooking. She, everyone loved her. I remember if you're listening, Goolsby girls, all of you girls used to come over to my house and just sit around and talk with my mom. I mean, she's just a wealth of information. She was a homemaker for so many years. And um, mom as her, Deanna went and I talked about last week. Um, that's her first job. And she was very good at it. So March long. So mom and dad were extremely, um, they were disciplinarians. So we never got out of line. And if we did, we knew it. Um, we were good kids and are good kids. And, but they, discipline was very, very much important to my parents. And so, um, Throughout the years, you know, we got in trouble, you know, I mean, from time to time. But um, we stayed home and we were very involved in sports. My mother had a garden, and I remember waking up one morning and there was three laundry baskets full of cucumbers. And she's like, This is what we're doing today. Yay. It was a Saturday during the summer. And so we pickled, we made cucumber, we made pickles for forever. I'm sure there's still pickles <laughs> in our house. But um, that was just kind of our life. We had cattle and, you know, had that farm life. And that's how I grew up. So small town. So I always knew that I wanted to go away after I graduated high school. And I began researching college and universities very early on. And there's Encyclopedia Britannica. Paul and I were talking about this yesterday, Paul, my producer. Um, and I, there was a college issue and it had every single university in the United States. And I went through there and dog-eared so many different universities because my dream school was Notre Dame. And my parents were about, you're not about to go out of state. And it was so expensive anyway. And I did not get a scholarship to go there. I did apply and was accepted, but did not go there. So you all know I went to TCU in Fort Worth. No regrets whatsoever. So I knew that I wanted to not be a small town girl. And every time I say that, I think of Journey. Just a small town girl living in a rolling world. I just did that. Okay, I won't do that. Can y'all believe I did that? Anyway, so um, I took myself out and when I graduated and went to college and made a lot of mistakes, marriages that weren't necessary. You know, I talked to y'all about the gimme, the gimmies. So made a lot of mistakes, but did graduate college and um, I didn't have a desire to go back. But you know what? As I'm aging, I'm thinking, you know what? It, that's, a, that's a different way of life. That is a, to me, now, okay, I, I, I'm going to say this too. A lot of this is perception and my 
thought process. Okay. So everyone understand that. But um, I just wanted the excitement of the city and um, something more than, I mean, I, and just, just that, just that quick paced, fast paced world. And I did, I moved to Dallas, Fort Worth and Dallas and had my first jobs there. But um, thinking about it today and, you know, thank goodness I have Facebook and I have Instagram, but mostly Facebook with my friends from high school and that community in Wortham, the Freestone County area. And I see who's having babies and who's getting married and life struggles. And and thank goodness we have social media. And some of you think, oh my goodness, it's 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 toxic, it's rat race, but I love waking up and seeing that it's it's Jane Doe's birthday and I get to say happy birthday because if I didn't have that, I wouldn't know it was her birthday because I am horrible at dates, absolutely horrible at dates. But anyway, so I so moved on and, you know, I wonder what my parents would say about that. You know, moving, I disappointed them wildly by marrying the first person I did because it was, they told me not to do it, but I did it anyway. So anyway, I'm sorry, mom and dad, but um we all survive. You know what? You live and you move on. We all survive. So um, moved out. And what I do regret <clears throat> is I didn't spend enough time with my parents. So busy trying to create a career. And, and I was traveling all over the United States and trying to find myself. And um, it was tough, you know. Just look back now and go, gosh, if I, if, if I just spent more time with my mom. So anyway, hence... I'm going to talk to you about my mother. So mom was diagnosed with cancer in about 2004 and 2005. Um, I remember it because um, my brother was married, was married in May of 2005, and she was very, very sick, and she barely made it to the wedding, but um, she did. She danced her heart out. And um, she was diagnosed with squamous cell carcinoma. So what happened was she um, she found a, a, a lump or a spot on the base of her tongue. And um, it was about the size, according to my father, it was this, uh, half the size, she was a tiny woman, um, half the size of her pinky, pinky nail. And um, so pea size, we'll say. And she found it. And I think she just locally went to doctors and they treated her antibiotics. Just they didn't, I don't think they found the spot until later, but um, she finally went to a specialist in Waco, which was about 45 minutes from our hometown. And she went to a specialist and, and it was cancer. And so they, my sister, um, she was very instrumental in getting her um, to MD Anderson, which is by far, in my opinion, the best in the world at treating cancer. So, you know, if you're going there, it's not a great, it's not great, but they sent her there and it was a very aggressive form of cancer. Um, it's usually found in people um, about 50 years old that were previous smokers or smokers. And my mother was a smoker. So was my dad. And, you know, um, when I'm, when I'm giving you these details about losing a parent, I want you to remember that these are how I remember the details. Um, I messed the dates up until this past weekend when I was actually working on this podcast is in the first time I'd actually written down the date my mother died 
And I would always call my dad and go, when was he here? Because I was in such denial. You know what I mean? I was just like, I don't want to remember this. So, um, so anyway, they sent, they go on to MD Anderson and they, it was from smokers and she stopped smoking many, many years before many years. I remember when I went to college, my mom and dad stopped smoking because they had an insurance program. Dad was working for Chevron or Chevron oil at the time. And there was an insurance program that if you took if you took this class and stopped smoking, you would get a deduction on your insurance. Well, we were all about saving. My goodness. So they took the class and um, my sister and I were talking last night, actually. And I think dad was probably more successful than mom. But, but regardless, they did stop smoking eventually. And when mom was diagnosed and mom said, how did I get this? And the, the, the doctor said, have you ever been a smoker? She said, yeah, but it's been forever. I mean, years, years, 20 years or so. And, and um, he said, you, we often get small, secondhand smoke from uh, children from secondhand smoke that come in and get this squamous um, cell carcinoma. So go figure that, smokers. I just, I don't understand anyone that smokes anymore. So um, anyway, so... She'd gone to MD Anderson and um, she had, oh gosh, she had very, it's very aggressive. She had chemotherapy one, every day for eight weeks. So that was 40 rounds of chemotherapy. Now, mind you, my mom, I'm small, but my mom is much smaller than I'm. And so can you imagine what kind of toll that takes on you daily chemotherapy for 40, 40 times? So that's 40, eight weeks. And gosh, I struggle because. Is that poison going in you? I just—is that what it takes? I mean, is that—is that what it takes? I mean, I don't know. So, um, but that's what they had to do. So, sure enough, she did that. So, guess what? She got to rest for two weeks, and then she began thirty-five radiation treatments, one a day, five days a week for seven weeks. And I remember I was talking to my dad about this because I was not on hand the entire time, and I have extreme guilt from that. And um, I was not there the entire time. But I remember when she went to Waco, before she went to MD Anderson, they pulled all of her teeth, every single tooth in her head. And because they said it would create more infection, so when she got to MD Anderson, they said that wasn't necessary. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? Now, my mother, I am a fabulous cook. I cook extremely well. But my mom can blow me away, okay? She was a fabulous cook. And through all these treatments, she lost her taste buds. So her biggest joy in life, or one of her biggest joys in life, was feeding her family these fabulous exotic meals that were so amazing and she couldn't taste any longer. So that was kind of defeating. Can you imagine your, your, your number one, number two, other than loving your family, that's taken away from you. Can you imagine what a mental, mental, how mental that is for you? So anyway, so mom um, finished those, those rounds and she actually was cancer-free. She rang the bell proudly in, at MD Anderson. She came home. And, uh, you know, it wasn't immediate. Like, she just kept going. She started going. But she, it took her a few months. It took her a few months before she could function and drive. Dad was telling me all about that. And she was in remission 
for about six months and no showing any cancer signs at, signs at that point. And so, you know, they had to go back and forth and back and forth and, and from, from MD Anderson and, and get blood tests and x-rays and so on and so forth. And she was feeling really good. I remember um, just her, just back to her old self, everyone visiting and, and um, her entertaining, although she had lost so much. Um, she had the cutest wigs. Oh my gosh. She had the cutest Bob wig. She was a beautiful platinum blonde. And I mean, the cutest as could be, and she withered away to nothing, but she, um, she, she was just as spunky as ever and loved her grandkids. And, and we celebrated Christmas and lo and behold, I go back to, to MD Anderson and they were about to leave. She was pretty excited. And, and they said, wait a minute, the doctor needs to talk to you. And, um, the cancer was back after two years and in, in 06 and it had metastasized to her lungs. So uh, it had moved on and uh, from her neck and her tongue area, her lymph nodes, uh, which they had gotten and it came back. So unfortunately, um, she was pretty beaten down. Can you imagine? I mean, and I, you know, I look at people, um, people that I know and celebrities that um I mean, look at Lance Armstrong and whatever, whatever, um, whatever he did in his life and what, you know, everybody agrees or different way, whatever happened there, whatever happened, but the guy still, he, he survived testicular cancer people. So there's that. So I look at people like that and just go, how strong. And, you know, I get a sniffle or nausea. I mean, I, I mean, I'm like down for the count. And I just look, I guess there is, and I want to hear from you. I guess when you do have cancer, you reach down inside and find something in your soul and in your body and arise above. You know, I think if, if I was, <clears throat> if I was diagnosed, I think about, would I just fall apart? Yeah. I don't know what I do. I mean, I, it's, it's, it's an interesting thought process. I don't even know if you have time to think. I don't think my mom had time to think. So anyway, so mom, um, she went back and there was no, there was nothing to do and there's nothing they could do. So there was a trial chemo that they finally came around and said, you know what? We can try this. There's absolutely no cure for this. Um, So it's up to you. And my dad reflects back on my mom and he said, you know what? No, she's too thin. She's too, she's too small and she's not weak. She's too weak to do this. And she's sitting there going, I'm going to find, I am going to find a, a cure for this cancer. And, she would sign off and dad's like, no, Faye, you're too, you're too weak. And sure enough, she's ready to do it again. And she went back into her treatments. And, um, I do remember some life events and I'm missing up, mixing up the dates. So everyone just forgive me for that if you don't mind. But, um, I remember if you all remember in 2005 when Hurricane Rita hit Houston and mom was in MD Anderson and they had to evacuate the hospital. I mean, what? Had to evacuate the hospital because Hurricane Rita was there. So I remember dad driving home. Mom was in the back. They had a Ford Explorer. She was in the back, she's lying down. And um, I'm sure she's, you know, chatting it up and everything. But he went through, I mean, it was when people were on the road for days. I mean, it with the traffic jam getting out of Houston was impossible. Um, 
and I didn't live there, but you can only imagine. But I remember the news and hearing from my dad. My dad is he he is not uh, challenged when it comes to directions. He got them home in probably twelve hours. He went through every back road, probably every dirt road, and every pasture to get my mother home and comfortable before they eventually went back. So. Um, they went back to MD Anderson and um, she finished up her treatments and finally they said she just needed to go home and be comfortable. So dad was telling me that um, he he took her home. He's like, Tiff, she just wasn't getting any better. She just wasn't getting better. And, you know, this is the part where with grief, I think you... I know with grief for me, and I'm not speaking for my dad per se, but with grief, I think you kind of hear sometimes what you want to hear. It's selecting selective hearing, maybe. And um, so he just said, he called the doctors and said, she's not getting any better. She's getting worse. I mean, what, what, what can we do? And he said, John, it's, a matter of days. So, so they went through that. And dad tells us that, um, he told me many times when hospice was there about, they would call and say, uh, Mr. Tacker, she's not being responsive. So dad would go and he, and she, and she would come back. And, um, it happened three times. And on the third time, I think it was time for the Lord to take her. So, you know, <clears throat> that's, that's a that's that's tough, you know, Dad. That was tough on Dad because you sit there and pray as a caregiver for them to be out of pain, and you wonder where your mind goes. You know, you you want absolutely where your mind goes, but you know, there's a lot of guilt associated with a lot of this. I feel so guilty because I didn't spend a lot of time with my mom in the end because I was working and just really it was a tough time. So my sister, I want to talk to you a little bit about my siblings. My sister is a fabulous healthcare provider. She's a nurse practitioner, and she's extremely successful, and she has been in nursing forever. Um, she went to Baylor Med School. She's, she's amazing at what she does. My brother and I didn't do that. We are, he's a creative, he runs our family construction business, and I am a chef. So he and I have more of that creative brain, and Jill is very um, medicinally inclined. She's very good at what she does, and my sister was there as many days as she could. I know she was going to school and working and raising children and stepchildren at the time, and I can't thank her enough, but for what she did, and she was there, and she got that time with mom um, that I didn't have. And, you know, I was talking to my brother about it, and I was at MD Anderson a handful of times. You know, my sister was probably there, gosh, what, months and months. I was there a handful of times. I am that person. I'm, I'm not proud of this. This is not, I mean, especially my mom died, people. I'm not proud of this, but it just, it wasn't, I, I didn't like to be there. It, I didn't, I'm horrible in saying this. Please don't judge me, but I didn't feel like I could do anything. I just felt helpless and I was uncomfortable. And my brother and I talk about this and he feels the same way. And this is so wrong of me, but you know, I just like, oh, why didn't I spend more time with him? 
But um, we're just so thankful my sister was there to handle, you know, the medical parts and to deal. She speaks the language. She understands the language. I don't. And this is probably a cop out. But anyway, I just wasn't there. And I feel so badly. Um, I spent so much time with my mom growing up. And, you know, but that doesn't take the place of not being there. So anyway, so, um, you know, when we're going through grief, I have to tell you the day that, <clears throat> that when when Dad told me that there was you know pretty much no more health, there's no they couldn't do anything. So when we remember going the weekends and staying with Mom, and my mom was spunky, and she had no filter. Let me just be clear, no filter, Faye Tacker. So I'm laying with Mom in bed, cute little thing. She had little cute hats. She'd stop wearing that cute wig, and um. I'm laying in bed, and I had my toenails polished. I was in love with Essie Marshmallow, that color, okay? It's the color of a marshmallow. So my mom always had either red or apricot, some bold color on her nails and her toenails. So I'm laying in bed with her, and I'm, she's looking at my feet, and um, she said, I said, Mom, you like my new color? And she goes, no, I don't, not at all. And I'm like, Mom, it's the hottest thing. It's Essie Marshmallow. It's so cool. And she goes, marshmallows belong in the kitchen. I went, okay. So I remember when I got the, that when I, after mom died, I raced so fast to get a pedicure to turn my nails color red. So they painted them red for my mom. Mom, did you know that? Because that's what I did for you. So um, I just remember those times, you know, and her telling me how to, <clears throat> how to be a mom to my daughter how to be a wife, how to be a friend. So that was tough. So anyway, handling grief. Um, the day she died, um, I was doing a cooking segment in Dallas at Good Morning Texas. And Gary Cogill and I were together and doing that. And I, know, and I was going back to Austin and I was going to stop and see my parents because it was about halfway. And so I'm going to see mom because I knew she was getting close to the end. So stopped and um, my brother called me and he goes, hey, where are you? I'm like, I'm headed back from Dallas now. I'm on my way. Okay, well, come on. I'll just meet you there. Okay. So she had already passed by this time. So I get there. My brother's in the driveway waiting for me. And my brother's quite a bit younger than I am, but um, I knew. I just knew. So, um, you know, I was telling Paul about this earlier. I mean, when you're, when you're in grief... When you're going through things, the things you do, oh my gosh, guys. So I walk in and mom is, they have her on, <clears throat> on a stretcher to take her out. And she, ha they had her swaddled in a blue bank blanket. Okay, so blue, royal blue. All right, so I guess that was the color of the funeral home. But I went crazy. I mean, crying and screaming that blue was not her favorite color. <laughs> and I just... Convince them all to change the blanket. And I just don't know why I behave that way, you know? And you just think it's grief. My goodness. And it's so, grief is tough. But you know, I say, I look now and it's a grief and it's a guilt. So anyway, just wonder what you all go through, you know? And why am I doing this today? Because I just had a friend lose her father. And a few weeks ago, I had... A girlfriend lose her husband. And um, it's a time of loss, and this is not the most uplifting, but I'm hoping that sharing stories can help all of us through it because I would change a lot 
with my mom and dad and helping, trying to help from my heart, but it really didn't work. So anyway, um, which brings me to a happy, happy place. So my husband, Greg, his parents um, started Blackman Mooring, married forever, and um, died a few years ago. Genevieve died first, and uh, Floppy, um, my father-in-law, died about a year later. And Genevieve was, her health was failing. And um, I think Floppy probably died of a broken heart. But um, the three brothers, Kirk, Bill, and Greg, I mean, they grew up, you know, we all grow up with some kind of dysfunction, surely. Surely there's that everywhere. But Greg said he was the Brady Munch. He was the Brady Munch, Lord have mercy. He was Leave It to Beaver. Um, he said that their life was just so perfect. And when his parents decided, and when his parents died, they all agreed that what a love story, what an amazing accomplishment that they had as a couple First of all, raising three boys, all graduate TCU, all that ran that company and grew, grew it to a multi-million dollar company. And when they died, they were just celebrating. I mean, just celebrating. And so when I talked to my husband about this, he, and I tell him the guilt I feel and, and um, the regret. And he has no regrets. And he's not trying to one-up me. He just has no regrets. He said, you know... I had lunch every day with my dad, and the, the brothers did, and mom was always there. She raised three boys, and I just look at the way they handled that, and it was amazing. It was, it, it was just absolutely amazing. You know, my mom, she planned her whole funeral. She planned her entire funeral. <laughs> she had, I do remember shopping with her for, for her her, what she would be buried in. And I just thought that is pretty cool. She had the music picked out. She had the balloons ordered. She had everything orchestrated, the songs. And I thank goodness because my mom was so, I'm going to say this dad, but um, my mom took care of my dad. My mom was at one at home. Um, everything was planned out for my dad. And I just don't think he could handle it. I really don't think you could handle it. And she had a beautiful Catholic funeral. And um, thank you for planning that, Mom, because that was that was absolutely huge. Absolutely huge. You know, um, in talking to my sister about this, um, we were talking about this, and this is thought-provoking to me because she— she asked me this, and she, being in the healthcare, they see obviously a lot of, a lot of this um, death that goes on in her her industry, of course, and 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 celebration as well. But she asked me, "Would you prefer your loved one to die quickly from an accident, or would you prefer a diagnosis of a disease or an illness?" She said that she would prefer the latter because she would get to talk about what she would prefer, you know, to plan, to do things, to check off the list, and then versus impact. So my answer is neither. That would be neither for me. But I don't know. You know, I've thought about it a lot since I've talked to Jill, and I don't know. Um, 
because I look at how much suffering goes on with cancer. I mean, that's nasty. How much suffering, and I know the American Cancer Society, I mean, ah, bless you, because raising money to, to find a cure for so many forms of cancer is, is amazing. But I don't know the answer to that because I did see my mom and my father go through hell. I mean, when you are a perfectly healthy woman or man and you wither away to nothing. I was talking to my producer, Paul, yesterday, and he lost his father, um, his stepfather, very quickly. Um, I believe he said six weeks um, from diagnosis, and that's fast. You know, and I was I was really talking, thinking through what Paul shared with me, and I almost think if I did have a diagnosis, I would want it to be quick, because you don't want to go through that. I mean, that's. I mean, I I also know people that just opt out and say, you know what, I'm just going to 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 go peacefully, and you know, and that's that's an option too. But I mean, a very aggressive. And something lasting as many years as, as, as my mom went through, was that's pretty tough. But, you know, find a cure. And she was determined to find a cure, but she didn't quite make it. So, um, you know, I look at Kennedy, my daughter, and she's lost two grandparents, um, great-grandparents as well. And, you know, just from times to time, she'll, she'll have these deposits in her life. Well, she'll remember something, and it'll set her back. But what I do appreciate about her, and I do appreciate about myself as well, remember the good times. I mean, just remember the fabulous times. That's, that's, that is the best thing, is remember what joy and what happiness these people that you love and lost and lose and in your life, and you just remember the great, fabulous times, you know? And that's, that's, that's all I can say, right? So, you know, with the grief— um, I remember when I, I had to leave Wortham, where my mom, where we were planning, and I'd go back to Austin to pack and to get ready, and I wasn't ready. I am the biggest planner. Everyone knows I plan everything. Just, I am, I am an uber planner. That's where I get it from my mom. I'm so much like her. Um, if you come to my house, there's a beautiful cheese and meat board. There's a glass of wine and cocktail napkins monogrammed. My mother was the exact same way. And I got that from her, but I didn't plan for her funeral. So I'm out shopping for a black dress. Why do we have to wear black? Oh gosh, I'm wearing black today. Good grief. Um, you, you know, and so for shoes and I just wasn't prepared, but although I knew. So I also think you go into a little bit of shock and you go into, of course, denial, but I was certainly in shock and I was so worried about my dad too. And because my mom was young. She was 61, 62 years old. I mean, extremely young. I mean, that's, oh gosh. Anyway, so wasn't prepared. And I do remember my friend, Marsha, um, I was so upset because I'm like, she never called or anything. And I talked to her all the way from Wortham to Austin on the phone and I didn't remember. It's just like numb. You just don't even know how you're driving and how you're functioning from one place to the next. You know what I mean? So it's pretty tough. I mean, you just think, oh my gosh, how, are, how did that happen? And the numbness and how you are just a robot and you, you fall into this trap of grief so very, very quickly. So 2007, when mom, um, September 7th, 2007, so what are we, 13 years now, almost 13 years? And 
you know, I actually sat down with daddy Sunday and I wanted his blessing on this podcast because I I didn't, you never know if it's too soon or what. And dad has had a very difficult time moving on because it was the love of his life and they grew up together and together, what, 44 years. And, um, talking to my dad and my dad explaining things to me that he has not been in a place to explain and me explaining to him, can you believe 13 years goes by sometimes? And I mean, 13 years of, I don't know if I, I mean, did I push it under the rug? I'm sure I did. I didn't want to talk about it. I mean, every year I'm sure my dad's going, okay, it's the anniversary of her death. Can't you remember this? And I don't know. I mean, I don't know why people function the way they do. And I'm curious of how you all function, you know, and um, loss is loss brings people together and loss drives people apart too. Um, I know that that is, that is a huge catalyst in, in our society. Have you seen that before? Because it's not pretty. Um, but everyone I know handles things so very, very differently And again, I'm not here anytime during these podcasts to judge or to not accept, um, but just to explain my, my situation, how I felt as a human and as a daughter and how I moved on. And there is not a day that I don't think about her. So, um, Hey, do you do this? If you've lost your mom or your dad, I still pick up the phone to call her, to tell her, Kennedy just made the dean's list. Kennedy just got a summer internship. Mom, can you remind me on how we make Cajun gumbo? Mom, can you remind me why in the world we are the way we are? But she's not there. But you know what? I talk to her every day, and she listens, but... Sometimes she doesn't answer me, but um, anyway, so, you know, for all of us going through this and I being my fifties, I'm seeing this more and more. We are at a stage of losing loved ones, parents, especially. And, you know, right now with my dad, I see him so much. Um, I see him so often because he's in Fort Worth quite a bit and he's traveling the world. And I'm so happy because I really do see a spark in my dad's eye because that's all I'm worried about now is him moving on and enjoying his life. He is a fabulous man and he earned a wonderful living for all of us, uh, all of the Tacker clan. But um, he is, he's moving on. He just got an RV and he's, he's going to Cabo with us in June. And then he's headed off to Colorado for the entire summer. And I'm so happy for him. And I know when he goes to the mountains, because my mother loved the mountains, he talks to her. He talks to her. Absolutely. But daddy, I've never seen you have such a spark in your eye as you, as you do right now and going through your phase of life that you're in now. And you did such a good job such a great job. And um, as far as my mom, Faye Elizabeth T- Davis Tacker, you rest in peace and you rest in love. I love you and I always will. Thank you to everyone for coming. In. Listen, excuse me, I'm going to get myself together here. Thank you so much for listening to me, everyone. Um, I hope you can take a piece of my heart with you today.